Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson. Good to have you on the show this morning. Tell oh, me, Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, I was just thinking about that. What am I grateful for? Um, I could say that I am very grateful for church and the amazing things that are going on in church. Uh, tonight we have a, um, and when I say church, I mean like my church, but then more in, gen- in a general sense, um, the young people uh, of the churches around Newcastle. Tonight we have a, a meeting going on where all the, the young leaders from all the churches around Newcastle are coming together uh, with the young adults leader Blair Lemke and we're just going over strategies on how we can you know best reach our communities and support our young people. So yeah, super hype, super stoked about that and just awesome seeing God do an amazing work in our young people here. That is absolutely fantastic, Lawson. I've Pray that God's blessing will rest upon you as yeah. you uh, participate in that awesome activity. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm just praying that it goes well as well because uh, it's just it's something to be so passionate about. But Lyle, yes, what are you grateful for? This Long morning? work days. Yesterday, I worked around about Ooh. 17 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to feel bad for you? Or? No, I don't think I worked 17 hours. I'm pretty sure I didn't. Uh, maybe I should be thankful for the opportunities to exaggerate. <laughs> nah, I put in a big day yesterday and got a lot done. And it's yeah, always awesome. a, it's always a good uh, it's always a good feeling to come to the end of the day and see a bunch of things that have been accomplished mm. and a bunch of things that are on their way to being accomplished. So, mm. you know, it gives you that sense of, yeah, something happened today and that was constructive and it was, um, yeah, taking God's work forward. Amen. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Anyway, let's have some positively different news this morning. All right, so I was really moved by a story uh, that I came across um, about a woman named Sarah. Um, now, Sarah uh, essentially five months ago walked into a Logan homeless shelter after spending a considerable amount of time um, essentially homeless, you know, couch surfing, heavily drug affected, um, you know, struggling with methamphetamine addiction and ultimately, you know, uh, without the custody of her children, which is a story that um, is unfortunately all too common in Australia of the way that people are just terribly affected by by drug addiction. Um, But five months ago, she walked into a a Logan homeless shelter, Logan uh, up in Brisbane. And ever since then, uh, her... Um, outlook on life and her, her, the place where she has, she, she is saying that she is flourishing. And so this story grabbed my attention, um, because what I could see here is like this big transformation going on in her life. Um, and it turns out that the shelter that she walked into is a, is a Logan shelter called Sheltered by Grace. Um, and when I read that name, I was like, oh man, this is something that is very, um, you know, very like, well, that, Name is very uh, Christian lingo, you could say, um, a bit of Christian nomenclature, and I was like, "Man, wh- what's what's the go here?" Um, and I started to research and read about um, the work that Sheltered by Grace had been doing, um, specifically in Sarah's life, um, but in the lives of many others. So, uh, really, Sheltered by Grace is a um, a Christian based homeless shelter uh, in Logan, in Brisbane, um, that 
at the moment has space for about 24 people. And one of the interesting things about Shelter by Grace is that it is one of the biggest non-government supported homeless shelters in Australia, essentially. Um, So they don't get government funding for this. They're independently funded. So yeah, um, essentially they don't, yeah, they don't receive regular government funding. They have had the opportunity to, um, you know, be supported by grants and whatnot, which is one off grants. Yeah. One off grants, which is, you know, which goes to all sorts of things, not for profits, company companies. Um, but yeah, essentially they are fully funded by private donations and fundraising. Um, and I was like, yeah, just like, this is, this is awesome. Um, because homeless, uh, sorry, uh, shelter by grace isn't just a homeless shelter. It isn't just a place to kind of, yeah, show up and find refuge, which is incredibly important. But more than that, they have this big focus on transformation. They have, um, rehab facilities for drug affected people. Um, and also they are running one of the only male domestic violence support centers. Um, in Australia, um, uh, where uh, they currently have 12 bed, a uh, 12 bedroom wing that supports, um, men coming from domestic violence situations. So yeah, it's just incredible. The work that they're doing, uh, the shelter was founded, um, by a couple, um, that I, uh, dude, scrolling through my notes, um, the shelter was founded by a couple Jason and Lisa Oaks and it's completely, you know, a non-for-profit, um, charity. And yeah, it's like just this system that they're running is, um, it's where they give, you know, everyone their own bedroom rehabilitation and it's this real private rehabilitation center. Which this is, is a really important part of the world for something like this to be taking place because, uh, my oldest son is actually pastoring in the Logan area well he's actually in logan reserve but of course that's that's you know close to logan does a lot of ministry in that area this is uh for those of you who may not be from brisbane this is a very low socioeconomic area which has a lot of needs uh within the community particularly for this kind of ministry to be taking place and it's just fantastic to see christians who are stepping up and taking on a work like this i think that you know, this is where Christianity is actually seen in action, and we need to see more of it in this country. Mm. And, and we see that kind of thing um, most reflected in their mission statement. It says, our mission is to be the largest supported housing provider in Australia, offering the best on-site care and rehabilitation for our men and women in living the spirit of Luke 4.18, uh, which the, nice. verse, the verse reads, nice. the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recover uh, and recover the sight of the blind to set in liberty um, them that are bruised. So these people are really motivated by yes. Jesus's call. Um, well, Jesus's mission for himself, um, but then his call to us to help those who are struggling and afflicted. And what um, you find is that people who are coming from those kind of environments of low socioeconomic environment, um, addictions and so forth, are the kind of people that are actually looking for Jesus. Mm. We find that, you know, the more wealthy people become, the more affluent they become, the less likely they are to be looking for Jesus because they don't feel their need in the same way as people in tremendous poverty do. Mm. And so... 
I think that's fantastic, and I think it's one of those things that we need to you know, bring into our homeless and women's shelters and so forth as much as we can, is to be actually make these faith-based organisations, and if not faith-based, to encourage faith organisations to become an integral part of yes. it, because we know that there are going to be people there who are going to value that aspect of the and are actually actually seeking out places that can lead them to Christ as a source, as a solution to their problems. 100%. And the homeless population of Australia is much larger than I thought. About 105,000 people in Australia currently, um, you know, they don't have stable housing. Um, you know, anything from just full on living on the street to floating around in different places and couch surfing, yeah. living in cars. And so, you know, the work that Logan Reserve is doing, they're putting about 50 people annually through their shelter. Um, and all of those people, again, aren't just, you know, staying somewhere and then dipping. Like it's a full on um, rehabilitation service. And those people who go through the center are leaving ready to be independent. Um, but yeah, their current plans are to just keep expanding. Uh, they want to build uh, 20 self-contained tiny homes to give people the opportunity to then ha- go through this model of originally they're, you know, living in a room in a ward and then they can kind of graduate then to their own small tiny home and then from there, like, graduate out of that situation into their own apartment, their own living situation. So, yeah, just really powerful and awesome stuff. Yeah, so re-empower them to actually be independent people who live in a home and, you know, know how to make that thing work. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Right. Lyle, what's happening? More serious stories. So the uh, United States... Well, this is an interesting one. So um, new bill mm-hmm. called the Kangaroo Protection Act. In the United States. Is about to go before... Not Parliament. Congress. Okay. Yeah. So the United States is about to pass the Kangaroo Protection Act, which that's kind of interesting and wild. <laughs> Why? <laughs> okay. How so, is the United States kangaroo affected? How are you like? Yeah. Well, the, you know, American kangaroos are kind of you know rare. Oh, they're an endangered species. They're an endangered species. Ah, okay. <laughs> we can give them a couple. <laughs> we got a few soups there over here. <laughs> okay. So what we're going to decide this morning is this good, good, bad, or why? Okay. So why would we talk about this particular subject on this radio station? The the Bible says that as human beings, we have play, been placed in charge of this world to manage mm-hmm. it, to take care of it, to be stewards of the world. Yes. And we live in a world that has been badly affected by sin. And so, therefore, in the process of taking care of our world, there are sometimes terrible things that take place and need to take place just so that we can manage our world, mm-hmm. uh, which involves, obviously, the death of many, many animals on a daily basis. Now, uh, in the United States, they have we, we export about $40 million worth of kangaroo meat um, and leather to the United States every year. The leather, of course, is used for shoes, for motorbike gear, I didn't know that. Did you ever have Yeah, that? yeah. The, so the top of the line racing suits are all kangaroo leather. I did not know this. It's much lighter than um, cow leather. Does it, it give you the same kind of protection when you um, come off? Yes, but it doesn't, like, last as long. Like, when you crash with kangaroo leather, it's like, it'll protect you for that crash, but then it, it's more liable to kind of rip up. So it's like when yeah when you're using kangaroo leather suits they're like as light as a feather like you pick them up compared to a normal like consumer suit and they're like 
incredibly light, like top technology, but they're for the top of the line race guys who are going to crash once and replace it. Yes. Like it's not like a, you know, just for like Joe Blow who's going to just wear a suit and go riding on the road and then, you know, maybe do some racing and like crash five times and just keep using a suit. No, it's like the top of the top. It's like high the level elite, technology. The yeah. There you go. I'm learning something new here this morning. Um, also used in uh, sports footwear, apparently. Mm-hmm. So uh, soccer players and so forth using uh, kangaroo leather. Anyway, um, so the Kangaroo Protection Act is calling for similar protections to be given to kangaroos as to the bald eagle. Now, how you do that in a different country, I don't know. <laughs> because because the bald eagle is incredibly protected. Oh, absolutely. If you, like, break a bald eagle egg, you go to jail. Yeah, and fine, like, you know, $200,000 yeah. or something or other. Um, now, of course, the bald eagle got down to, um, at its lowest point, 412 breeding pairs. Well, Kangaroo mm. population in Australia has got down to 50 million animals. Ultimately, like, uh, does America just not know the situation here? Like, that we have an overabundance of kangaroos? I don't know. I really don't know. But anyway, um, so we have a problem with kangaroos in Australia, and it's been caused by a number of different things. Um, dingo culling has resulted in a lot less kangaroo predation, which means that kangaroos breed up. Um, of course, the urbanisation of our Indigenous population and also, you know, having a much smaller Indigenous population than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And also, um, of course, land clearing, creating pasture, uh, bringing water to the surface, irrigating has just created an environment in which kangaroo numbers can absolutely explode across Australia. And so, therefore, for land management practices, we end up culling, you know, very, very large amounts of kangaroos every year uh, just, you know, to keep their numbers down. If you're wondering what would happen if we didn't do that, just simply look at the mouse plague that is happening in western New South Wales at the moment. And this is what happens when a particular species gets out of control, the numbers explode, and then, of course, the results of that end up being truly horrific. Mm. And, of course, the whole point behind this piece of legislation is based on animal cruelty. And so they're saying, well, you know, this is an animal cruelty issue. You know, these uh, animals are hunted. They are not butchered in an abattoir. Mm. And so, therefore, this needs to be ended. Um, We have about 1.7 million kangaroos that are harvested annually, Mm. uh, which is a significant number. But even when you look at it from that perspective, the question that goes through my mind is this. Okay, you take a cow, you take a standard cow like you're going to be eating in, you know, yeah, Texas Longhorn or whatever it's going to be, mm-hmm. which is raised in an unnatural environment. It's fed unnatural foods. It's transported in a highly stressed state, you know, on roads and so forth. This is completely unnatural. It's then herded into uh, cramped quarters at an abattoir, which is really quite not nice for animals. It is surrounded by the smell of death so that by the time it's actually butchered, it... Um, that meat is absolutely packed full of fear hormones, mm. which you don't get when you, you know, butcher an, a, a beast that's sort of in your back paddock. You go out and, uh, you know, shoot it between the eyes or whatever. You don't get those same level of hormones in the meat as what you do when you buy it from the supermarket. So you compare that and they're saying, well, that's okay. But when you get an animal that grows up in its natural habitat, lives in its natural habitat, 
um, does its natural thing and suddenly, bang, it's not there, that is somehow a higher level of cruelty mm. than an abattoir. Mm. I kind of find this really, really strange. Now, as far as you know, banning kangaroo meat, if the United States bans kangaroo meat, to me, that's kind of neither here nor there. Yeah. Because I don't eat kangaroo meat, <laughs> and I, as as Lawson said earlier, he doesn't eat kangaroo meat either. Is not widely eaten in Australia, which is mm. partly cultural. For Lawson and myself, it's got nothing to do with culture. The Bible says that you shouldn't eat that kind of meat, yeah. and it's actually not good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as bad as, you know, say, pork or something like that, yeah. uh, which the Bible also says you shouldn't eat, but it's not as good for you as, say, you know, eating dead cows or dead sheep or, you know, those Chicken kinds of or, yeah. dead animals. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you've got levels there of health. And so the Bible says, you know, don't eat kangaroos, don't eat, don't eat pigs and so forth. Um, you'll find that all in Leviticus chapter 11. Of course, those laws, the Bible says, apply all the way down through to the very end of time. Yeah. Uh, they were never to be taken away because God never wanted people to live unhealthfully. Those are laws that are based around good health. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I don't see a problem with, you know, okay, we're not going to eat kangaroo meat anymore. That's not going to be a terrible idea. But that simply does mean what they have to realise is that means that there's going to be a lot more kangaroos that are going to be culled in Australia and simply left to die in the paddock. You know, left (laughs) dead in the paddock, not to die, yeah, uh, but dead in the paddock. Mm. And so it's not actually solving anything from an animal cruelty perspective. Uh, What it does do is it puts a, a higher burden on farmers and sporting shooters who may not have the same ethical standards and controls as the professional shooters have. Mm. So we live in a little bit of a messed up world. Anyway, I've said that before. I'll say it again. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. I'm going to go through to our interview of the day. Joining us on the phone is Camilla Scaff. Camilla is the uh, health director for the North New South Wales region of our church, which is fantastic. It's great to have a uh, church that has a health director. Camilla, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for having me. We are fantastic this morning, and we are super excited to uh, hear what you have to share with us this morning. We were just we were just actually talking about kangaroo meat a moment ago. Um, don't know whether you caught that story or not, but we kind of said, you know, this is not a great idea to be eating uh, kangaroo meat because of what the Bible says. But I'm just keen to hear what you've got to talk about this morning, Camilla. What's what's our subject of the day? Well, what's most interesting is that our sub uh, subject of the day has to do with protein intake. A lot of people are um, mistaken about how much protein or where is the source of best protein for our bodies. And, um, yeah, I'm here just to discuss that with you. And, you know, as you know, a lot of people think that protein or the best kind of protein would be found in meat eating. And that's why, especially here in Australia and in other westernized diets, the most amount of their uh, protein comes from animal products, um, which is different from other parts of the world. So, for example, here in Australia, it's about 65% or more um, that proteins that come from, um, from, anim- from animals, not from plants. But in other parts of the world, that's a, a different story. Mostly of the protein comes from plants 
and then they would just have a little bit of animal products in occasions, which also shows in these regions that people lo- live longer and live, um, don't have the same diseases that we're fighting here. So I think that uh, hopefully that will be an interesting subject for everyone. It is an interesting subject, particularly when I was looking at this story on uh, kangaroo meat in Australia and there were arguments being made that, you know, this is really has historically been a really important source of protein, still is a great source of protein, but what you're saying is that there are plant products that are even better as a source of protein than animal products. That's right. So, well, first of all, there sometimes is a mistake of how much protein we need. And I think that's why um, usually people go to the animal proteins, because it is true that animal foods, they have a percentage of protein. It's actually a larger percentage that what our body would need. And that's what the problem lies. Because if you have um, more protein than your body needs, it eventually will become waste. And in your body, anything that is not used becomes fat. And what happens is the issues with obesity, which is one of the main key risk factors for diseases like heart attacks that we're fighting here, cancer and diabetes and so forth. So um, the ideal is eating meats uh, just very um, irregularly in special occasions um, or not eating meat at all. Um, as a matter of fact, with the whole movement now, thinking about sustainability and taking care of our earth and not harming animals, it is a great time to be reflecting on where are the true sources of protein. And as a matter of fact, um, great nutritionists of our days and research has shown that for adults, for example, um, the yeah, protein intake of the day is basically about just a shy of 1% um, of 1 gram per kilogram per day. So I'll give you an example, Lyle. Mm-hmm. Let's assume that you are weighing um, 135 pounds, which is roughly 61 kilos, okay? So you just multiply your weight by 0.9. And then whatever it is, that's the amount of uh, protein or gram in grams that you would be required to take a day, which in this case, if you're 61 kilos, it would be 55 grams of protein. Okay, so that's so not a whole that's not a whole lot of protein really when you think about it. And you know to be right. honest, I became a vegetarian in 1992. Um, I've never weighed myself. I've never tried to figure out how much protein I need to eat. I've just, you know, eaten food on a daily basis and I've never actually lacked in protein. I've never had to think about am I getting enough protein in my diet or not enough. I've just eaten food and have survived quite remarkably well. That's right. And I love there is a nutritionist, Brenda Davis, and she wrote a very comprehensive book about nutrition and uh, she defends uh, a plant-based diet. And she basically says that when adults eat beans and whole grains within the same 24-hour period, the body pulls the amino acids and draws into those these pools all day to build top-quality protein. So as you know, proteins are... Um, built by amino acid blocks, which we don't have to go into the details, but basically these amino acids are present in different plant sources like vegetables and fruits and cereals. And what she found through her research is that you don't even need to eat 
both of those things, beans and grains, on the same meal. So it's important sometimes that we do have a variety and we eat different things. But let's say there are places I've been in Africa where they eat just one uh, one group. Like one, if they eat beans and they eat greens, they don't eat grains on the same meal, you know? Sure. And that's okay because our body basically takes all of that we ate during the day and builds those um, protein blocks using all of the amino acids. Isn't that fantastic? It is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, you talk about Africa. I spent some time in Ethiopia, uh, both Lawson and myself, and for, you know, an Orthodox Ethiopian Christian, at least half of their year they live off vegetarian food and in the other half mm-hmm. they often can't afford to buy meat and so they live a largely vegetarian diet and you know you just do not see you just do not see the levels of obesity that we have here in this country that's right and then not only that like in southeast asia um, meals are certain, centered around tofu and rice you know like you said ethiopians they'll do uh, lentils and pears and, and in egypt they do a lot of beans and millets fava beans and millets so it, around the world we can find um, cultures that are centered around beans and whole grains. Um, as a matter of fact, the Mediterranean diet that became so popular, it's actually centered in plant-based, in vegetables, in fruits and grains, and that's not that much meat. Um, but it's a, you know they do a little bit of fish, for example. But when you look into the traditional and ancient Mediterranean diet, it's mostly plants. Now, I do wanted to say a few things in regards to Australia here. Where could we find um, great protein sources outside of meat products? Um, so, do you like just for instance, do you know where like where would be the best source of protein for? Um, I just kind of gave it away a little bit, but uh, more specifically, what kinds of foods could give you great source of protein? Um, um, Thinking in the average here in grams. Yeah, sure. And I guess you've just been talking about beans, and so that's the first thing that's going to come to my mind. Um, yes, yes. So after beans, where would we go? Well, yes, you were right. Beans are the number one. But do you know what kind of beans would be even giving more? Because there are different kinds of beans that could have potentially more protein uh, per gram. Yeah, no, I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, so I'm going to give it away. Um, White beans and azuki beans. Now, azuki beans is like those small uh, beans, and they're used usually um, in Asian foods. And uh, white beans are the cannellini beans that we can also easily find at the stores. Um, they make a really n- nice casserole with veggies and good soups, especially now that it's getting a bit chilly. I would recommend to use bean soups a lot and then just pair with vegetables. Those give you give you an average of 9.1 to 9.2 um, uh, grams of protein for every half a cup. So if you think about it, just by eating half a cup of those beans, you're already getting uh, more than 20% of protein that you need for the day. And that's not a lot, is it? Okay, so so here's something that's quite amazing. Uh, Camilla, did you know that last Sunday was International Pie Day? Oh, I didn't know. Oh, you missed it. You <laughs> missed it. So last Sunday was International Pie Day, and, of course, Producer Shell made uh, these pies that were leek and celery pies, and they were full mm. of those white beans that you're talking about. Uh, 
And yeah, they were they the, try those pies. <laughs> they're just amazing, aren't they? They're just delicious. And so uh, she has just offered that if anybody would like to have the recipe. Just give us a call here, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. You will have a delicious pie recipe that I has the best kind of, pies. has the best kind of protein ever. And by the way, lentils are actually, actually a really good source of protein as well. It comes right after beans with about 8.9 grams, um, per half a cup. And uh, peanut butter. Peanut butter is a great source of protein. It would be coming third on the list here. It's just almost as powerful as lentils and beans. Um, and peanuts are actually as powerful as beans. So Yeah, well, that was um, the question I was my, going to ask. Peanuts, yeah. um, peanuts lentils, um, are lentils just a small kind of bean and are peanuts just a, 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 a bean that looks like a nut? <laughs> okay, that's a hard question. It depends on how you see it. So we look at the lentils in a family of the legumes. And, um, but in terms of when you cook, it's not as hard as the beans. So a lot of people, for example, are concerned about eating beans for gas reasons. So because I'm a chef here, I'm going to give you a little tip on how to cook your beans and how to cook your lentils so you get the best out of it, right? Yep. We don't have time to go into details of what the chemicals that happen, but when the chemistry that happens, but when you cook your beans, you should um, soak them in water overnight, um, and then you rinse the water after about eight hours, and then you cook new water for about 40 minutes until it's soft. Okay, so this is the best way to cook beans. So you get rid of the gases that you potentially could produce. And like I said, if you're more interested, you do some research about it. But we, you know, we don't have time now to go into the details. But with the lentils, you don't need to soak them. You just wash them well. But basically, the lentils are not as hard as the beans. Their core is uh, similar in a way that they're also legumes and also high in protein. But their outside is softer. Their shell is softer. Okay, um, so for, 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 people, for people like myself, yep. just to butt in real quick, but for people like myself who, uh, you know, the kind of the extent of the cooking that I do is <laughs> open a can of baked beans, add it to toast, uh, is that can of baked beans still going to be a good source of protein? They are a great source of protein, Lyle. But what's happening lately is that a lot of people are facing some gut health challenges and they complain that the beans are giving them bloating. So that's why if you're, if you're in that situation, I would advise you to cook your own beans and your legumes at home instead of eating canned. The canned ones are as good as for protein as any other beans. Sometimes it could be having a little bit of a, a sodium going on there, and so you have to watch if you have on a low salt diet. But overall, they're great. You can just buy them and cook them right away. So they're not bad for you. It's just like I said, some people are being intolerant to candy. So that's why I gave a little bit of tip on how to cook beans and lentils, which is basically just with water and a little bit of salt. Yes. Um, and the and the peanut butter and peanuts. Both of them are really good. Peanut butter is basically peanuts that are crushed um, until they're uh, smooth and soft. And sometimes they can have a little bit of salt as well. Um, and they can be eaten as spreads with uh, bread, for example. 
uh, or they can be using curries to add the fat instead of using uh, coconut milk or, or, or cream, or instead of using oils, you can just use peanut butter as source of fat as well. Now, I do want to say something because I know I have to go soon. Um, for children, a lot of people ask, well, what about children? They certainly need protein to grow. And because I'm a plant-based mom and I meet a lot of moms that are plant-based and they're being judged because they're not giving meat to their children. Um, but, I'm, you know, my children are very healthy and strong and they're growing strong. And I um, also found in research that 76% grains and 24% beans as part of the overall diet for children has shown to satisfy the protein needs. So like I said, if they're mixing the beans or the legumes like lentils with the whole grains, it's more than enough to give them the protein that they need to promote uh, cell uh, growth and build new cells in their bodies. Um, so I do want to say that for people that are listening, they're perhaps their mom, uh, their mom, they have children, or they have uh, children in their families, it's absolutely safe to have a variety of legumes and beans and grains in a children diet, like preschooler age, like mine, and still be plant-based, they'll get the amount of protein that need as well. Camilla Scaff, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. As always, you have amazing information. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.